we have an intro? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do we have an intro? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But welcome to the second episode of Millennial Manifestos. So I am Flynn. I am Amy. And we're going to be talking today about, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about meaningful communication, I think was the main point of topic that we wanted to talk um, about today. So over the last two weeks, we have been doing a little bit of research on and off when we get time available uh, about meaningful communication. And I think the thing that I've loved most about diving into the research aspect of this is we both went in very different directions of what meaningful communication is and there's been definitely some times over the last um, couple of weeks and even today where we start talking about it and it's like no 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 save it save this conversation for the podcast and we've had a a couple of engaging conversations over the uh, week about different things about like effective communication we had the other day Mm. Um, but today we're going to be more specifically talking about meaningful communication and I thought it'd be a really cool way to start is to ask you what your definition of meaningful communication is and what that kind of means for you. Mm. Look it's it's such an interesting topic right because it's something that we do every single day we're communicating constantly with our world around us and actually communicating with ourselves there's an inner dialogue going on you've got that little voice in your head that sort of guides you through life so it's one of those topics that we can you know go about life and be somewhat detached from it or maybe it runs on autopilot so I think taking a moment to be reflective and to try and understand okay how do I show up in conversations you know there are certain circumstances where we might be really present in the moment, really listening to someone. And there might be other moments where, you know, that's not so much the case and that's being a human. But I guess for me, what meaningful communication is the ability to not only be the receiver of that meaningful communication or connection, but also the sender. Being that, you know, in order to have meaningful communication, you've got to be a present listener, which can be really challenging at times. You know, I think uh, taking it back to a conversation we literally had like two days ago that I noticed that I sometimes struggle in conversations to detach from the inner dialogue that's going on and actually listening to what the other person is saying. So it's always, I think, a delicate and fine balance, um, but something that obviously with awareness you can really hone your skills in to be able to be like, okay, am I showing up? in this conversation with another person in a way that is intentional to the best of my ability. And really, I think everyone just wants to be heard and listened to, to be seen, to be acknowledged and also validated. Mm. And that's tricky. That's a fine, that's a fine art. Um, And it's one of those things that I'm really glad we're discussing it because it does give us the opportunity to reflect on how do I presently show up in that way and what could I work on? So it's meaningful communication for you to kind of see, see what I've heard from that is that meaningful communication from you is um, being present in the conversation that you're in? Yeah, it is. It's really listening to the words and the tone, the inflection, uh, really feeling what the other person is saying. Um, but also I guess you know, you've got regular conversation like how's your day, how's the weather, commenting on that sort of stuff. And, you know, especially with strangers, we do that because it it feels comfortable. It's easy to do. 
But what about there's moments in your life where you do crave deeper connection? How can you go a step further? And what can you do as a participant in that to really make someone feel safe and comfortable mm. so they do feel like opening up? That's, that's an art. Yeah, 100%. So and- I think for me the last part of what you're saying there around having discussions with people that go beyond the superficial mm-hmm. that when I dive into this is where we kind of like went on different tangents of things is that my idea of meaningful communication is communi- communication or discourse that goes beyond that top level of how's the weather and things like that. And that's something I find um, super interesting both in my work and then also just in general life I find if you have that ability and some people are incredible at it through either through just their personal uh, their personality and how empathetic they are um, as well as people that have taught themselves through repetition mm-hmm. um, to be able to get beyond the surface with people get people comfortable with them to be able to have meaningful conversations and I think that for me personally, when you can have those communi- like have those conversations with people, you can quite obviously connect with them a little bit more and mm-hmm. it gives you an opportunity to find out more about someone. And for me, who's not the best, I've never felt like the best conversationalist, but for me, if I can scratch below the surface and try to get some of those other details, it gives me a more wide array of things to ask people about, which can then keep a conversation going on naturally. Like, I don't know if you've ever uh, been to any kind of like networking events or anything like that. And you kind of ask like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, that's cool. And then they ask you like, what you do and you say it. And then it's like, Oh, and the weather and stuff. And then basically your conversation lasts three questions. And then you're both kind of standing there holding your beer, staring off into the abyss. It's just like, okay, I'm going to go find someone else, someone more extroverted to talk to um, or whatever. So yeah, in a summary, like for me, meaningful communication is really that piece around being able to have conversations with people that go beyond that surface level of how's the weather. Absolutely, yeah. And look, it's one of those things I think, how do we learn this? Do we learn this as children watching adults around us? Do Are we influenced by, you know, different things, social media, different really people good, we follow. Like, not to interrupt you, but that's a really good thought about that, like how do we learn this. I think it's not so much for me, like, I don't think it's so much how do we learn this. I think it's more how have we unlearned it. That's true. Because if you talk to kids, they can yeah. be fucking brutal. They're just honest. They're, they're very honest. They're very like, hey, I've noticed this thing yeah. about you and they'll just make a statement. Your haircut looks funny. Why? Why? You know, I used to work in childcare and I get that question a million times Mm. a day and it drives you wild. But it's also like, no, that's a good thing. If people are asking, especially little kids, are asking, why does this happen? Even to the most simplest things, it Mm. goes, yeah, there's that sense of curiosity and understanding the world around you. And you learn that through the relationships that you have. 100%. But then we kind of, yeah, at some point we've unlearned that. And I think that's where when ego starts kind of coming into things where we're, we start becoming, like for me, it was probably around um, late primary school onwards where you start being a little bit more aware around how you're perceived by others. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's when everyone starts getting that dream about, you know, turning up to school without your pants and stuff. And you start getting worried about what other people um, think about you. Whereas in my 
beginning of primary school, turning up to school without my pants would have been the best thing ever. <laughs> it's just like just another day in my household. Just, just another day, <laughs> another day. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that as we start becoming a little bit more self-aware of our, how we're perceived and then wanting to fit in mm. more, I think we curb ourselves to not ask questions of people that might make them and ourselves feel uncomfortable. Yeah, That's kind yeah. of my thought process on it. And then like I know that now even trying to actively ask people questions that dig beneath the surface, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's such a presumptuous thing to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so you kind of tail yourself back sometimes, but then other times you just ask it anyway. And I'm usually pleasantly surprised by the responses. People are either like thankful that you've asked, um, can give you the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper, um, or it gives them a space, like not taking a tangent on it at the moment, but within the business. So a lot of my time, especially on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, is basically just back-to-back Zoom calls with strangers, mm-hmm. people that I've never met before but have seen our advertising and want to know more about their services. And that conversation goes like is realistically me trying to understand more about them and their business and their issues so that we can try to figure out what the solution to that is. And quite often coming from a business perspective, quite a lot of people get into that space and just kind of go, oh, like what's the price and what's this? And then they're very surprised um, by the fact that it ends up turning into a conversation about what their goals are. And I think for a lot of small businesses, they just don't create that space for themselves to think about like, what do I actually want? Like, what is it that I'm striving for? What's the point of this? And I think that if business owners who realistically should, as per the Australian government, have a business plan um don't set the time to do that chances are that very few people in normal like employees or normal normal people uh people who don't have businesses um probably wouldn't create a lot of time for themselves to do that goal setting piece. I know that when I was working corporate, I would set goals, but then you'd put them on a piece of paper and it's flowed into another room and then you'd lose them forever. Mm-hmm. And then maybe at the end of next year, you'd make a new goal set. And then maybe if you're lucky, go tap back in, uh, which is probably why I didn't really achieve much. So I wasn't setting those goals. Cause like, obviously if it's not measured, mm-hmm. you're not going to make any um, difference in that space. And so, yeah, I think that, like those people that we talk to looping it back into are always very thankful at the end of it of mm-hmm. being able to create this space for them to just think about what it is they truly want, mm-hmm. which goes beyond that superficial of like, hey, how's the weather? Like what's going on for you? Here's what we could do for you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so creating that space for that is what I would consider as well, like meaningful communication is that ability to have a conversation with someone that goes beyond what people maybe might realize is that kind of surface level. And that's a, a real world, well, everything's a real world, but that's a business application um, to meaningful conversation as well, which has been infinitely um, helpful to me because it makes it more interesting sure. um, to have these conversations with people. But then it also makes it less salesy yeah. um, when you're talking to people because you're legitimately trying to just find out about what their problems are, which is realistically like how you should run a business. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, and you're connecting with people, and really depends on the environment. I think too. There's certain contexts where 
some things are more naturally going to unfold. Like in your conversations, you're probably um, a, a mirror for people or maybe there is those thoughts in the back of their head, but perhaps because, you know, they're, they're addressing so many other things, they don't really get the chance to reflect on that. So it, mm. it's probably why it is such a great experience for them and they probably walk away being like, that was awesome. It's because you've given them that container or that space to really also dare I say, challenge them a little bit about of course. what's your priorities. Like yeah. I really need to know exactly what it is that you want, what you're trying to communicate, what you believe is your um, we are of service to in the world so that I'm able to effectively communicate that to potential clients. So, um, yeah, it's, it's so important and it, it affects all of us in everyday life. And I was going to ask you, how, what did you notice about um, your experiences in what you do, which um, part of it is, you know, taking on uh, client calls to really understand them and their businesses, that those things that you have noticed. But, I mean, it sounds like you've given us a, a really great explanation of what your experience has have been. Um, and I guess linking on from that, is there any experiences that you've had when you've been interacting with clients that then you walk away from and go, okay, that's highlighted to me something in my life that I resonate with or that I need to question and how do you feel like that's played out in your own personal life? Not just leaving work on, on the back, back seat a little bit, but how have you used that? How has it influenced your personal life and your connections that you have? So I think that no one conversation comes to mind. I think mainly because I have so many of them and they of kind course. of all blur <laughs> together. Um, but I think an overarching theme is that it's very easy, and this is why coaches exist of all type, it's really easy to see what other people should do. It's really fucking difficult to see what we should do. Because mm-hmm. we're, I can't remember what the saying is, but it's something like, um, you can't you can't save someone who's drowning, or you're like you can't can't see can't teach someone to you swim. Can't, yeah, you can't teach someone to swim, swim when, when they're, they're drowning. drowning. Yeah, yeah. As well as the fact that like sometimes when you're drowning, you can't see the ocean. Oh, sorry, you can't see the uh, the bank. And so that that overarching tangent comes like that overarching um, thought process comes to me quite frequently when having these conversations with people because as someone who's removed from their business, I can see quite clearly what might help them um, in what getting to where they want to go or at least breaking it down into something that is more manageable mm-hmm. um, and tangible um, is quite easy. And then you so you have these conversations and quite often it's like, okay, well, how – how am I not doing this? And then you're, so you're asking like outside of a business perspective, I think one way that pops up into my mind at the moment about how, um, cause a lot of those conversations are about measurable, like measurability and creating goals that are actually measurable. Because obviously if a client doesn't have a measurable goal, how do I know what, what is it we're trying to achieve here? Um, and what, how do we know when we're done? How do we know when we've succeeded? And so I've realized in having these conversations that first of all, within the business, wasn't doing a hell of a lot of that, even though I was at a larger scale, but not at a smaller scale, but then realized that I was spending so much time doing it in the business. I actually haven't done it for myself. And so a lot of the time, I guess at the beginning, because the business and myself become so intertwined, you set goals for your business and it feels like you're setting goals for yourself. Mm. And so you get that same dopamine hit that everyone gets from goal setting. And I think it's why everyone, including myself, sets a lot of goals 
but then doesn't track, measure them, and, and achieve them because you get the dopamine hit from planning the thing like you've achieved it, and that's where you get your high, and then you kind of leave it. But that was so that was one takeaway from having conversations with people about their businesses and how they can grow it is that I've realized that I'm like, oh, I actually don't have measurable goals for myself um, in terms of things that will things I want to push myself on to achieve. Mm-hmm. So I've got some like lower level goals, which I call like debt reduction dot goals. Like, oh, I want to pay this much off my mm-hmm. mortgage or um, do this as well as like, oh, I'd like to have like this much worth of money in savings. Um, but I've realized that there's no goals that I have for myself that are around like, I'd like to run five kilometers in 10 minutes or whatever, like any of that kind of like measurable personal personal goals. So I guess that's one thing that in having these meaningful, meaningful conversations with other people within the business, you start seeing when you're not sipping your, your own Kool-Aid. Yeah, not walking the talk. Not, yeah, not uh, walking the talk 100% for sure. So that's probably one big takeaway. Interesting. Mm. Um, just to reflect on the resource that I kind of dove into to, to do some uh, I guess some, some reflection and, and soul searching. Um, yeah, I've seeing, seeing you read it. I've been really yeah. interested to see what's kind of come out of it. Yeah. Sure. So uh, a Zen uh, Buddhist master, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, believe cool. I said that correctly, uh, a really great book called The Art of Communicating. So I um, read uh, the first couple of chapters and, and I guess being a meditation teacher myself, I'm very much interested in the, the spirituality side of things mm-hmm. and uh, mostly the relationship to self and how that actually interplays in our life. And, you know, when we are actively looking inward, it gives us the ability to have more compassion for ourselves and the things that we struggle with so that when we're actually sitting in front of someone and, and being a good listener or actively trying to really engage with them and relate with them, it's like, well, if we can't show compassion for ourselves, how are we going to be able to sit and listen to someone else as they explain the things that they're going through? Mm-hmm. Um, now, conversations don't always have to be about what's your deepest, darkest hurt, tell me, you, you know, your childhood wounds. Okay. Well, look, they do definitely, uh, ex- they help people to understand more about themselves and not all conversations have to be that way. But I think one of the things that I read in this, um, which I do want to share, I'll get my phone open in a second and share it, uh, I think has really shaped my view in terms of how I approach the energy that I bring to communication and okay. how I feel like that might impact the way that I interact with people. And again, it's one of those things. It's like you've got a few set people that you might feel comfortable doing it with. There's definitely going to be people that maybe you're not so comfortable with, but it's like, oh, this is a stretch to do this. But I think it's about like constantly just giving yourself little opportunities to kind of poke or prod a little bit further beyond your comfort zone. And then I think when you do take the time to ask people stuff or uh, comment on things or ask them to explain more that they go, oh, no one has actually taken the opportunity to really go further with me on certain subjects. And I think purely just that presence of you um, allowing that space for someone else, that's that's what makes, you know, the world go around is that connection. Well, that's when you leave a conversation, right? And yeah. like you'll see sometimes you leave a conversation like, oh, that was really such a good conversation. Yeah, I, I got a lot was, from it. Yeah, yeah 100%. And I think um, 
what was it, uh, the book like How to Win Flu- Friends and Influence People, mm. and they mentioned something about that where quite often if you want someone to leave a conversation feeling that way, make it so they're always talking about them. Yeah, people love to talk about themselves naturally. Oh, I mean, I think I I quite enjoy it. Everyone does. Because you are running through your head all day with your thoughts and then when someone actively asks you about them, it's like you have that output. You've got that little space to kind of have your moment to shine to also maybe perhaps say, am I, is this just me thinking this or, you know, am am I crazy for thinking this? And someone else can go, yeah, I can understand the way that you feel that way. They don't necessarily have to agree with it. They can validate it. And I think that's just like, ah, weight off our shoulders. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Affects our ability to feel like part of a community and that's so important in this life. People are like, oh, I don't like people. I don't like going out. I like prefer I to be inwards. I always question that. I always question that when people are like, oh, I don't really like people and this. And I'm like, don't you? Like, do you truly not like people or do you just not like some of the experiences that you've had with some people it's yes. always a question like i understand with extra with sorry people who identify as being introverted um become very energetically drained mm. from large-scale conversations We're having a lot of people and i can understand that mm. i can usually do about like two days of yeah. like bringing it mm. and then after that i'm like go away everyone is just go away i'm gonna chill out and watch a movie don't talk to uh, me yeah but yeah, when people say things like, oh, I don't like people or whatever, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if a Who's couple, hurt you? Yeah. yeah. What's guess, happened that, that makes you shut down or feel like you can't safely express yourself? 100%. And yeah. so oh, that aspect of it all just sometimes I think a little bit of is drawn by guilt and about how they're showing up mm. for other things. Yeah. Potentially. Could be that. Not attacking yeah. you, but seriously. <laughs> I'll pull up this yeah, um, thing on I my love phone. Your phone at the moment. Oh, yeah, the optics is broken. The so haptics. it sounds like a robot when I hit the home button. Yeah, so we'll just be chilling out of home and then all you hear from the other is like... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it sounds like I'm on a typewriter, yeah, basically. it's pretty hectic. <laughs> all right, so let me see if I can grab it. Oh, it's in my... Fo- I took a photo of it, actually. So, yep. So what have you prepared? It was a particular um, statement that I or a paragraph that I really resonated with and I wanted to share that Mm because I thought, okay, this makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. So if a lotus is to grow, it needs to be rooted in the mud. Compassion is born from understanding suffering. We all should learn to embrace our own suffering, to listen to it deeply and to have um, and to have a deep look into its nature. And in doing so, we allow the energy of love and compassion to be born. It's like contrast. Without the good, without the bad, sorry, you can't notice what the good is. Um, and uh, when the energy of compassion is born right away, we suffer less. When we suffer less, we have compassion for ourselves and can more easily understand the suffering of another person or the world around us then our communication with others will be based on the desire to understand rather than our desire to prove ourselves right Mm. or make ourselves feel better. We will then only have the intention to help. So I think that really resonated with me because there was another quote and I, it's my girl Brene Brown. I don't know if it was her necessarily that came up with the quote, but she introduced me to it, which is first seek to understand, then to be understood. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so powerful because it's not only when we can really sit and, and this is really effective in uh, conflict or tense situations. It's like if we can just take a step back from our own 
uh, defenses that are coming up or things that we want to get at. And it's like, let me just give you the space to, to, to go off. Tell me what's on your mind. I'm going to really deeply listen to that so I can start to put myself in your shoes. So when I can put myself in your shoes, I can have more compassion and empathy for that side of you that is really just identifying that's either a boundary has been crossed or there is a need that's not being meant, met and that's coming up in a trigger, in a mm-hmm. wound that makes you feel a certain way. And then it's really important that, yes, it's great to be a great listener and acknowledge that in other people, but in order to, I think, hold space for other people's stuff, we actually need to do the work in having our own inward reflection time where we do acknowledge, hey, I'm noticing this is really um, challenging me at the moment, this emotion or this feeling that's coming up. I'm noticing this within myself and it's only when we are in deeply in touch with our own inner world that we can actually be a safe space for someone else to feel like, hey, I can express this and someone's not going to judge me and tell me my feelings are wrong. That's what I kind of took away from it. No, that's an um, amazing quote and, and um, paragraph. And I think at where we currently are in the world and global environment, it's something that we as a collective truly need. Mm-hmm. I think that over the last few years we've really seen how polarised we are yeah. as a people um, in our ideas and things like that. And I think it's – I think if people took a little bit, myself included, take a bit of a moment to step back and just try to understand people before, as you said, like before trying to be understood so we give people the space to – which can be difficult, especially when people are yep. saying something that is different to our beliefs or our um, ideologies on things give them the space to do that, understand where they're coming from and then look to enter a discourse Mm. or not, but enter a discourse into what that means for them, Mm. whether it's a personal um, thing that they're going through and they're telling you from multiple different angles, one of the, if they're telling you something that they're going Mm -hmm. through and then you're listening to them and acknowledging them without, I guess for me, the practical application of that. And I know it's something I do as someone who's a bit more of a fixer I mean, when my brain works is that sometimes people don't actually quite frequently people don't want to be fixed. They just want, they want a solution. They just want to be heard. Of course. Yeah. It's like the job of a counselor, right? At my work, I, I work. Worst at that. I be like, let me fix this. For <laughs> yeah. So in, in my job, I work in the mental health space. Um, you know, I've got a lot of colleagues that are, are psychologists and counselors and that is literally their job. Is just to be that safe space for someone to really listen, to understand. Well, they also offer tangible advice on how to not handle the situation but to better understand their thoughts. Absolutely. So there definitely is that element of uh, I'm acknowledging this within you. I can see that makes you feel X. Um, And then it's when the client is like, what should I do? I don't know what to do then it's like, okay, so in my professional opinion, this um, this would be really helpful for you in looking after your mental health. These are some of the strategies I can recommend so that you can feel empowered in these situations where a lot of the times we just don't have the knowledge or we just don't feel empowered. Mm-hmm. So a big part of their job is just to listen. And that's, that's yeah, listen without necessarily trying to correct or fix or you should do this. It's like. Mm-hmm. Well, you feel this way. 
what do you think we should do about it? Like, what do you think you're going to do moving forward? Like, what 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 would be the ideal outcome in this situation? Mm-hmm. And letting people figure that out for themselves with a bit of gentle prodding and guiding and suggestions, they usually can walk away from it feeling like, okay, I got this. Yeah. I have some clear, clear paths in my step that I know that I'm going to take and it's going to make me, um, it's the right thing for me to do. Yeah, 100%. I think that um, based on my very brief interactions with counsellors and stuff, I think that's a uh, really interesting aspect of what they do, um, being able to take that step back and be that third-party witness um, to things. But coming back to the um, paragraph that you uh, mentioned um, in there and kind of what that means for the world as well, you mentioned that it, it resonated with you and it's something that you kind of identified with. Um Taking that from that, how do you implement something like that? How are you, how do you plan on taking that information that you've learned and doing something with it? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I, I do it on a regular basis. <laughs> I meditate and practice mindfulness. Um, so that's definitely something. Do you think that- meditation and mindfulness helps you with mind, uh, meaningful communication? It helps me to know myself better. Mm. Yeah, so that means I am more... Uh, compassionate with other people for sure and it also allows me to identify so to just to give an example when you're going around trying to like help other people and Mm. you know pouring your energy and, and your cup into other people yours gets depleted right so it's really important that we take the time to actually fill our own cup up and and have that awareness around Am I actually in a space to have this conversation right now? Because if we're just simply listening because we think we should do it, we're not gonna come, we're not gonna show up with the same energy of actually genuinely am interested in this other person's life and I want to know more about them. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I guess another example could be like a really stressed out mum who's doing a bunch of different things at home, and the little kid comes up and is like, Mom, mum, like help me with this. That mum, because she's probably preoccupied mentally somewhere else, having to do a bunch of things, mm. is probably might turn around to her child and just and you know interact with them and give them that time of day, but the energy is different. Yeah. So I think by having that uh, space where you can actually take some time for yourself to be like, okay, I'm being with myself with no intention, but to simply be and allow what is going on. And once I've filled up that cup and I've acknowledged that part of me instead of trying to, you know, take care of everyone else, when I do come into situations where I do need to be a mindful listener or, you know, spend time with somebody because they have that need, Mm -hmm. that connection need, that I actually can do it in a way that is more, um, it's more open and kind to that other person. It was resentment, feeling like you're always having to be something for someone if you're not in the right headspace. That's exhausting and that's really draining and that's when we start to put others first. Um, we don't put ourselves first and that's draining. Yep. In my experience, it's draining. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's super um, interesting, that tie-in between the understanding yourself and being able to, I guess it kind of comes back to, as you said at the end, they're kind of filling up your own cup prior to then being able to fill up other people's cups. And that's how you've said that meditation ties into um, your meaningful communication piece because it allows you to better understand yourself. Mm. I guess as well, like you're in triggers and stuff. That's probably not meditation per se. It's more research, like 
your own reflection of like journaling and things like that yeah. would tie into that. Journaling helps. Um, but yeah, it's about understanding have I actually been deeply intimate with myself? Because when I'm deeply intimate with all parts of myself, you know, the good, bad and ugly, unquote, um, when we have more acceptance and uh, compassion for all the different sides of ourselves, we're more likely to be, you know, accepting of other people and their imperfect selves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's something that's really important and has guided me and will continue to guide me in my uh, journey of meaningful connections. And um, one thing, Lynn, I think that you've said to me that you're really passionate about or you're interested in is the way storytelling um, can perhaps, you know, really get people to open up or is a great way to connect with people. And like what sort of research have you done for today's podcast? Was there anyone that's influenced you and really fascinated you in terms of someone who you see as a really great communicator? Uh, So for this, a lot of what I drove me is, again, as I said before, like what lies beneath beneath the surface of someone. Like most people, you start a conversation and you're like, hey, how's it going? Like, yeah, good. How are you? And that's it. But people are rarely good, which is unfortunate. Um, but there's usually a lot more going on. We're more complex beings than that, mm-hmm. than just good. There's way more going on. Um, and so one one person's output that really struck me and has struck me over the years is Brandon Stanton. So for those who don't know who Brandon Stanton is, he is the creator of Humans of New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Instagram page? It, yes, 100%. So I actually think it may have started as a Facebook. No, it just started as an Instagram page because of the fact that he was limited by his 2,200 characters that you were able to put in an Instagram caption. Yeah. Um, and so part of what he was doing was finding stories from people that people can connect to but in a short form mm. because you have the post, you've got the picture, and then you've got the post and you've got to try to get an encapsulation of this person of where they're currently at, where mm. they've come from in 2,200 characters. Um, and that always really stood out to me. And maybe just because of my own interests, I tend to find myself more drawn to stories of hardship than I do stories of positivity, although quite often positivity comes out of hardship Mm -hmm. um, sometimes. Contrast. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that contrast of it. But then also something that we've talked about in the past as well is the fact that I don't – I wish we did, but I don't believe we truly grow from good times. Mm. I genuinely believe that we tend to have tangible growth in our life where we can look back and be like, wow, Mm. I've changed generally from the hard times, from things not going our way and things like that. But when you're sitting on the beach, everything's fucking rosies. Not the same way you take it for granted, but mm. it doesn't, not a lot of growth happens in those spaces, at least not what, from what I've noticed anyway, not the large scale growth that makes you like go, wow, I've become a different person. Mm. So I've always found myself drawn to those kind of stories and those tend to be the kind of stories that he posts mm-hmm. on there and finds and so i thought that was super interesting how you can just go up to the people on the street and have them tell you some of the heavy stuff mm. that they're either currently going through or have gone through to get to where they are um that i found wildly fascinating because i couldn't even imagine 
going up to a stranger and being like, so your parents died of cancer. Tell me about that. How did that make you feel? Yeah. Like it boggles the mind. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when we, when we decided that we are going to talk about meaningful co- uh, communication for this uh, podcast, I was like, I want to go and learn more about Brandon and learn a bit more about his journey and his um, process for having those more meaningful conversations because like, for me personally, I think it's something that is very interesting um, as well as in my line of work, making videos or films and stuff, being able, especially drawn to documentaries, being able to scratch the surface and know a little bit more behind people, especially in a short period of time, mm. is obviously of huge benefit to me. Also, those I just find them more interesting. Mm. Find it more interesting. So that's who I went away um, and had a bit of a look at. And so thankfully for me, I got the power of YouTube. I didn't have to read um, a book. I read a few articles. Um, I watched quite a few YouTube videos of interviews um, from him and kind of got a bit of an idea around his process. And it's really interesting. Now, after kind of like watching and stuff, it feels like a performance. Okay. Yeah, I can There's s- an art to it. There's a methodology. <laughs> I think I think there's an art for everything that comes through repetition. But when you do something with the idea that you're trying to get to an outcome mm-hmm. and you want to get to the outcome, when you're doing things over and over and over, you start f- really playing with the micro adjustments to mm-hmm. get you to that outcome faster. Yep. Um, and that's why... I, this is where people go from being an expert in something to being a master mm. of stuff um, is through that repetition. And a lot of people don't get there because they don't want to do that level of repetition yeah, on yeah. the one that thing. discipline, yeah. The discipline, really diving Dedication. In, the dedication <laughs> to the one thing. I yeah. think I personally am not driven that way. I would prefer to become good at a variety of different things because I just mm-hmm. find it more interesting to have multiple inputs. But then obviously there's a huge respect and we as a community put huge respect on people who are willing to do the one thing and do it Very masterfully. Well. Um, but anyway, so when I say that it, it felt like a performance is because he's perfected the art of mm-hmm. walking up to people and having this conversation with them. He's, he has a technique to it that's driven from this. And mm-hmm. so part of his technique was both in the questions that he asks and the way that he asks them, but then also in like how he approaches people and things like that. So it was a really interesting um, video that I was watching about how like never approach someone from behind because uh, immediately like if you go to something, hey, over someone's shoulder and they're like, what the, f- who is this? Like you're already on the back foot. They're not going to yeah. tell you about their childhood trauma yeah. straight off the bat. Um, and so he's like always approaches from the front. He's quite a tall guy. And so he would always like hunch down mm-hmm. and get lower on people's level and then um, – it's really interesting. He must have like not just through repetition and trying and seeing what works and what doesn't, but also must have read quite a few books. Some of these things that he do, I'm, I'm like, okay, like I can see how you got there. It seems a little bit creepy in like the way that you've implemented it. Um, but then obviously it's had a profound effect on society as a whole. Mm-hmm. But so he'll like try to get lower than the person. On their so level? If, not just on their level, but lower because he's quite tall already and obviously male mm-hmm. he found that if he gets on the same level as someone it's good but if he can like if they're sitting down if he can lay down it's yeah wow even less threatening. okay yeah. yeah which real feels like a whole like 
dog animal territory here on how to like um, psychology yeah. of how this kind of works, but apparently it works. It's like being lower than someone, then they feel safer mm. in what they're doing. And so sure. they're able to have those conversations. So it would start with a quite far away portrait and then you move in for a closer portrait and then be a, ask a question, ask a conversation. Um, and that, that's where I started to get interested because I don't know, in my actual day-to-day, I don't think I'm going to start a Zoom call with someone laying on the floor. No. <laughs> being like, tell me your secrets. Tell me about your business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but one thing I did find interesting from there is just very specific open questions, mm. which I really liked. Open-ended. And one of, the, one of the best ones, and I'd actually heard about the question a few years prior, and it's one that I've tried to implement asking people. And sometimes I can do it. Other times I'm like, I don't have the space for the answer, yeah, yeah. which I think is also quite important. But the one question that he likes to lead with is, what is the biggest thing you're struggling with right now? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like it's such a simple question, mm. but it's not something anyone asks anyone. And the answers could be so varied. And he said that from there he will, because obviously he needs to make a short form, piece to mm. ask that question and that's when you start having a bit of a conversation and you start understanding a little bit more about them and then it'll be mm. like oh this happened you're like oh okay what a, i did notice as well in the questions he was asked he's definitely more negatively geared in the way that like i said i find myself more drawn to stories that involve hardship and struggle his questions are definitely more geared towards getting answers from people about struggles. Mm. Um, and so whether that's because that's what he's interested in or that's what he found more other people are interested in. Relatable. Which I, mm. which I think is probably true because I think we all understand as like the news articles out the world, there's way more negative news articles than there are positive ones. And that's because we as human beings are just more drawn to the negative than the positive. Negativity bias. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. But anyway, so the questions that he would follow up from that is like, say, for example, we ask him, "Oh, what's something you're really struggling with right now?" Um, they'll be like, "Oh, um, one of my best friends just got diagnosed with something, um, and so I'm struggling, and so I've been going through that." And then his follow up question for that would be something like, "What's the most challenging part of your friend? Like, what's the most challenging part of that for you?" Mm. and which is obviously also a negatively geared question because you then they talk more about the struggle um although it's not like oh wow what's something that you've learned from that or whatever um some of those questions do come later but obviously it's more talking about the struggle Mm. um so i find that super interesting and that's something that in learning it like not learning it but like in talking about some of these things over the last two weeks i've actually started taking some of these things and implementing them in what we do in like both the business but then also in some of my things that I create, which I've kind of already started doing, but it's like the why. Mm. So if I ask you, it's like, oh, how's your day going? And it's like, good. It's trying to get to the why as quickly as possible, like trying Mm. to get to that why, which is where the meat is. It's like, oh, why is your day going so good? And you're like, oh, my day is going really good because, you know, I was walking down the park and there was a fucking – cool yellow flower on the ground. That was sweet. (laughs) And like, oh, cool. What do you like about yellow flowers? Mm. And then you end up in a whole conversation that might be more meaningful to you. Like, oh, actually, I really like yellow flowers because they make me feel happy. And I'm like, oh, cool. Why do you think that is? And like, oh, my 
mum gave me a yellow flower once. And you're like, oh, what's your mum's connection to yellow flowers? Okay, we're, we're away. We're having a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of um, <laughs> exciting as someone who's probably more introverted than extroverted, being able to find this way to have a meaningful conversation with people and start mm. having these chats. It's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. And it's reminding me of like the work we're doing at the moment, um, uh, navigating uh different uh, mirroring and tell me more about that sort of styles of communication so you know in conversation with people they'll say something and the mirroring aspect is like I'm hearing this have I got this right or is there anything more to this so by being a really great listener in that sense you're uh, extracting more information out of someone um, that allows them that space to open up and go a little bit deeper than generally like a, how are you feeling today oh actually that no that is an open question I was thinking of like um you know when, you know what those questions that are sort yeah. of not open-ended they sort of just Close go questions. yes no yeah yeah whereas if we could have a bit more of openness uh to our questions and the things that we're asking it allows people to actually be able to articulate that yeah, well, let them fill the mm. void with like fill that gap with their own things, not our bias yes, of what potentially yeah. we think that they're going through, which then channels them down into a certain way, which may not actually be the truth. Absolutely, and I think even asking people on a like a practical sense, um, Flynn, your examples were perfect about how to get people to open up a little bit more and what what things you can ask to allow that space. But in terms of other things, um, I think. I know that, you know, you find a lot of interest about learning through people through their hard times because, of course, in that not only is it relatable but um, you're able to to understand, you know, like it, we're just trying to make sense of the world through mm. communication and even something that someone else might explain that they've gone through, we go, ah, I relate to that. I've been through that. I know what that feels like. So it automatically makes you feel more connected to them. Another thing could be I'm thinking of, you know, on a more positive note mm. is to ask people hey like what are you most passionate about or what what makes you so excited um what have you got planned that, that's um coming up in your calendar that you're really excited about tell me more about that like why it makes you feel alive so little things like that when you actively take interest in other people's lives and that's a good one, ask like them about like what are you passionate about like i guess in terms of there's those cards you can get and they, they really help you to, to ask different questions. But I guess one of the, the main ones that comes up is asking people if money was an object and you could do any job that you wanted to, what would you do, spend your time doing? What Such job a tough would question, you do? That, that, that though, because like quite a lot of people haven't thought about that. No. Even if you ask me and like, oh, if I had infinite amounts of money, like money wasn't an issue, what would you do? Yeah. It's, it's a tough question to answer, especially with my logical brain. I'm like, so, well. Money is a thing. I'm going to figure Absolutely. that out. I don't even know what I do. Probably do what I'm doing now, but with far less stress. Yeah. Absolutely, because there's no, there's nothing else weighing on you. It's like I'm here purely yeah. to learn, to grow, to help other people, and it's a passion of mine. And generally, I find that comes back to we have a skill set within that that is something that is highlighted through what we're offering to the world to be of service of other people. Yeah, 100%. But in turn, because you feel like you've got a natural skill set at it, it doesn't only benefit you because you're feeling that sense of purpose. It also benefits the other person because they can really feel like, wow, this person gets it. Mm. It's profound. 
Interesting. <laughs> my mind's still thinking about the question that you posed around like asking people more about like what are they passionate about mm. and things like that because I think as well um, we have a tendency to default to talking about work. Yeah. obviously, which makes sense though because work takes up actually the, the majority. What do you of, do? Well, it takes up the majority <laughs> of our life. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is either fortunate or unfortunate depending on what you like to do. Mm. But yeah, being able to steer people away from that and be like, oh, what are you passionate about outside of work? Mm. Yeah. That, that's kind of a cool thing. I think that's something I'm going to steal from this conversation and start doing to people. It's like, oh, what are you passionate about? And, you know, what, 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 what motivates you in the world? Like, what do you like to do in your free time? Mm. And steer away from the work because, yeah, work can get, I don't know, unless people are super passionate about their work, in which case, like, cool. Then love God, it. I love yeah. it. Like, yeah. That's awesome. And I like having <laughs> conversations with people around that. But, yeah, being able to understand a bit more of someone or what they are outside nine to five. Yeah. I think that's the, um, the real beauty of things. Mm. What stuff... Like going through the book and you shared one of the um, paragraphs and excerpts of it that kind of stood out for you. Are there any like techniques or things that you've learned um, from the art of communication, communicating um, that you found beneficial and through kind of bring into this uh, podcast that you think you might mm-hmm. implement yourselves? Look, I will admit I'm only a couple of chapters deep into it and I'm sure that there's more strategies and little things that I'm going to learn. Um, but I think in terms of maybe like a more spiritual side to communicating and connection. And it might sound selfish to some people, but I think you are, you are the greatest relationship that you'll ever have in your life. You might think it would be, will be with significant others and significant others are a great mirror and reflection on perhaps what you need to work on, but to truly intimately know yourself, you're able then to show up in a way that is a lot more, intimate and profound for other people again because if we if we try and pour our cup and try and be everything for everyone around us and we forget to take care of ourselves and our true needs wants desires our passions that want to be expressed without us actually being able to fulfill that side of thing we don't show up as holy Holy, holy. <laughs> as holy, <laughs> not in a not in a religious sense, but yeah. we don't show up. Wh. Yeah, we just. I, in my experience, anyway, and that's why I think that's the beautiful thing about life is that no matter where we are in life, whether we're a sixteen-year-old listening to this podcast, mm. wanting to learn about, you know, what are these millennials talking about, or what wisdom do they have to share with me, or you know, regardless of where you are, are it are at in your life you could be 50 and like you know what I'm doing a lot of soul searching because it's something that I neglected in my 20s or 30s there is always something new to learn about yourself and the more you learn about yourself the more curious you become Mm. and the more that you're like I'd love to see that in other people too and you might know someone like a friend or a family member that you know you know them on a level that you've always been around them but it's like do you actually know them Parents are the yeah. biggest one. I see that a lot. And I, one thing I set out to do a few years ago was interview my mother about her life mm. because I realized growing up, my mother was an authority figure. Makes sense. That's what they are. Um, but you don't actually know anything. Some parents are quite open about their lives and mm. talking about this kind of stuff. But realistically, you don't know them like their friends know them. No. Yeah. Even though you've spent more time with them mm. than. They're friends, presumably. Um, and so I kind of set out to understand a little bit more about her, her life um, and the things she did. And it's 
truly fascinating. I think that's mm. one thing that I think everyone should do is a really a really good resource for this is I think if you go online on Amazon or onto Google, um, there's a book you can buy which has prompting diary-like Beautiful. questions. Yeah for that you gift to your parents like one thing one of them's like i want to know more about you mum and the other one's like i want to know more about you dad and it's got questions um related to that kind of person that is prompting leading questions to get them to talk about their life and some of it's like oh what's the most embarrassing moment and things like this um they fill it out and then you can get that back as a book and i think that's something that's really when i heard about that resource i was like yeah this is something i need to get um, which i haven't done yet so i do i've just reminded myself i love it um i'll go and get that for my mom because i think that not just for me to know and connect better with her Mm. but then also if i have kids they can better connect with who their grandmother was when time comes that she passes Mm. and we'll get to have a better snapshot of people especially for our generation our parents didn't have well they do have now mm. don't know how well they use it facebook <laughs> um i don't know my mom just uses word with friends but facebook on there whereas we now have facebook to as it reminds me daily the memories of it so mm. I, even i did not use it optimally in my 20s um but there's now this more docu- documenting of what we're like in a day-to-day sense that our parents don't have and so i think that's a huge opportunity that for we as millennials have is to ask our question ask these kind of more meaningful questions mm. of our parents yeah yeah there's and lots to learn there absolutely and i think that can really only come as we get older because when we are younger and we're looking at them no at way. like you can ask people questions when they're when you're younger Absolutely, but I think generally speaking, you're in a mindset of probably wanting to understand it a little bit more when you're a little bit older and you become your own person because you start to reflect, hey, my parent was just a human being doing the best they could with the information that they had. So I think definitely my sense of compassion and empathy for my parents has 100% 100% skyrocketed mm. since becoming, you know, a 30-year-old, having some life experience behind me as opposed to when I would have been like 18, maybe mm. being like they don't understand me, they don't get it, you know, that there's all these rules and regulations or this happened to me and, you know, I've really struggled with yeah. that. Um, why why, why did you do that, et cetera, whereas when you're a bit older you kind I of I guess as you start get getting it. closer to the age where you're like I'm now the age that they were. When, when they, they had, had young children, yeah, yeah, yep. 100%. And so then it kind of gets put in perspective where you're mm. like, oh, they had me at this age and I saw them as this. Like, I think there's something that's come to my mind as well recently is that um, the people that I used to look up to, that the point at which I looked up to them and thinking that they were infallible mm. is the age that I am now. Yeah. I don't know shit about anything. <laughs> and so it's like <laughs> chances are they didn't either. And so I guess it gives you does give you a bit more of that compassion. Mm. Um, no one's got people. it figured out. No, no matter how much they out. look like they've yeah. got their shit figured out, I promise you there's always mm. something that everyone is struggling with. It's true. Take Wish that into your next job interview. Yeah. <laughs> when you're worried about what other people think about you, you'd be like, yeah. man, these people don't know nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. on that note we will wrap this one up. And so today we've been talking about meaningful communication and what that means for us. Um, we didn't talk a lot about how we're going to implement that in our lives, but I think there's a few things it's, there. It's that an we'll, ongoing conversation. It's always an ongoing conversation. Yeah. And I think that's something that flagged for me this week and then in talking about meaningful conversation, something I think that I would love to put on the table to talk about next time mm-hmm. is effective communication. Effective communication. Because we had a yeah. talk about this the other yeah, day. Yeah. Um, and to me they're very different things. Yeah. 
which is cool. Absolutely. And, yeah, it scares me a little bit, effective communication, but it, generally speaking when things scare you or you feel nervous about it, it's like you need them. Yeah. They're your greatest teachers. No, I find it the most interesting because it's something that, well, meaningful communication, obviously we're going to get a lot out of this and be able to mm. like people will be able to have some cool conversations with people thinking a little bit deeper in the surface. Mm. Effective communication gets realistically can get you to where you want to go. Mm. Hundred percent. Got more clarity. One more thing before we um, we end the podcast is something that I like. You said it's like something you've been dying to get for ages because you think it would really help with connecting. Yeah. Is there is an Instagram page, so I do get a lot of the resources from there. Mm -hmm. But they do have a physical product, and that is the uh, We Are Not Really Strangers card game. So it is okay. literally a card game designed. There's different levels of getting to know someone. So you, you usually do it in like a small intimate group of people, maybe someone you've known for ages. And it starts off with questions, like you said, like, what are you struggling with the most right now? Um, what was the last thing you text someone in your phone? Like, tell me about it. Uh, they're really sort of questions to get to know people on a more intimate level that's cool rather in than surface way. level yeah in a fun way yeah and there's levels and even just having those prompts to be able to open up sometimes it's great to have if you don't feel brave in yourself or you feel like what do I ask it's mm. like this is literally here to give you that open space to to um, ask someone that question mm -hmm. be a good listener and then you get the opportunity to have that done to you as well too. So I think if you're ever struggling with like, ah, how do I, how do I do this in a practical sense? Get yourself some cards. You <laughs> get yourself a book that prompts you or start doing some journaling. And as you journal in your own uh, personal relationship with yourself, you're more likely to be inquisitive and curious with those similar questions to other people when it's in a you know safe and appropriate setting. So. That's like my that. little bit of inspiration for everyone listening. Um, yeah. Look forward to seeing that card game floating around the house. It's going to be here. Next, bring it to the next games night. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate you uh, tuning in and learning more about meaningful communication and what that means to us. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the Millennial Manifestos. Ciao. Bye.